0: guys, what's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome, I'm your host Shane Told, as always, bringing you the hard hitting interviews that I do with other lead singers and we've got an awesome episode, someone I was very, very excited to pick their brain. Mr. Miles Kennedy of so many projects. Most recently, known for his work with Slash, but also, of course, Alter Bridge. And now, coming out this Friday, another solo record from Miles called The Ides of March. Be sure to check that out as well. But what a career this guy has had. What an incredible career. We have so much to talk about. I can't wait for you to hear this one. Before we get to that, a couple things. A couple things I want to run by you. The first one is you can always get in touch with me. Send me an email, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. I try to get back to everybody. However, I have been pretty busy these days. One of the things that I've been super busy with is Twitch which is an awesome platform. If you're not on Twitch, I highly recommend it. It isn't just about video games anymore. There is so much cool music stuff going on. And I've brought this podcast over there. I have brought Lead Singer Syndrome onto Twitch every single Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I have live podcasts that I do with guests. In fact, coming up this Tuesday, I've got Mike Herenica. From The Devil Wears Prada, he will be joining me. And every Wednesday, me and Mike Howell, we do The New Noise Live, where we talk about the top five new releases of the week every single Wednesday. That's at 6 p.m. And I'm doing all kinds of other weird stuff on there. Just chatting, writing songs, playing music. It's just a lot of fun on there. So I encourage you to give me a follow. And don't miss some of the great stuff I have coming up. Twitch.tv slash Shane Told. That's the link. And yes, this Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, I got Mike from The Devil Wears Prada on the program. If you want to help support the show, check out the All Access Club for as little as $6 a month. That gets you in. That gets you all kinds of bonus episodes, bonus content. You can watch the Twitch streams after they happen. And of course, it is what keeps this show Going strong like it has been for five years, week after week, bringing you great guests like Miles Kennedy. Oh, I'm so excited for this one. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to some of the great sponsors we have right now. A new one. They're called Grammarly. I am using this thing every single day. It's on my phone. It's on my computer. Basically, it makes sure I'm not making any mistakes when I'm writing emails, when I'm writing text messages. It even knows if I'm coming off as aggressive. So check out Grammarly Premium. It's a really good product if you do any sort of work on your phone or you just want to communicate better with your friends and your loved ones. Also, shout out to BetterHelp. With the year fourteen months that we've had, we could all use a little bit of custom online counseling, I'm sure. So check them out, and of course, rockabilia.com. That's where you go to get your band merch. Use my promo code Shane S H A N E and get ten percent off their already low prices. All right, well, let's get into it. It's a good one. Here's my conversation with Miles Kennedy. Don't get on fire! How you feeling today? feel good. Yeah, I'm great. How are you? You know, can't complain. It's been a a very weird year. Uh, You know, I know you're as working a musician as it comes. I am myself as well. And, you know, to have a complete year off from being able to do any shows is very rare for me, and I know very rare for you as well.
1: Yeah, it's a trip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's definitely Uh, in an interesting set of circumstances, you know, I I think that for me, because I was touring so much, I'd been so busy over a decade, just nonstop bouncing back and forth between various entities um, that I was making music with. I was starting to get a little, a little burned out. Sure. Just uh, trying to take advantage of the downtime and, um, you know, where I'm not having to worry about doing a tour or um you make a make a record I'm just trying to essentially stay busy and stay creative and and stock up on songs you know as you right. know it's the you always want to have that songwriting uh the, the songwriting cabinet full or the so- the song cabinet full for when you have to huh. embark on your next uh, your next venture so uh, I don't like to I don't like to be last minute about it I don't like to have to go in and and uh, You know i've got a record and and try and write in the studio in fact i know people who do that and that it always impresses me but it also baffles me at the same time (laughs) um because it just seems like i remember hearing a story about a producer was telling me about an artist that he worked with in the 90s who was a who was a really big artist in the 80s and how um they they went into the studio and the producer's like well let me hear the songs and the artist is like well I don't have any, let's, let's write them right now. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. And that's talk about, you know, cause you, that, and that was back when you were using these big budgets and studios oh, yeah. were crazy expensive. So oh, that's yeah. A, yeah,
0: no, that's, I mean, everybody does it differently, I guess. Like there's no one way to do it. Um, that's, I'm something I'm sure you've learned in your career working with so many artists. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you except I have had a hard time as a creative writer kind of finding anything to write about, you know? Like, you'll look at the same four walls for so long, it's kind of hard to find that inspiration. Uh, or for you, is it a little bit different? Do you Can you kind of just look inside yourself and, and find inspiration uh, relatively easily?
1: Yeah, you know, for some... Sp- it's been interesting this last year. I, I've found a lot of inspiration, and I think it's just because instead of looking inward in, as much, I became more tuned in with reflecting on what was going around me, uh, as far as the the rest of the world and and kind of this this state that we're in. And uh, so, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, it's been very inspired time for me creatively and it, it, definitely with, the, with this last solo record it, it yeah. was I had no I had no shortage of things to draw from and and I have been in a situation in plenty of situations like you're like you're describing where you're you're just kind of the well is empty you know you don't have anything to say <laughs> and that's always my that's always my big fear that's there's, there's really nothing worse you know I have no problem writing music music and melodies and I I, I love that part but the lyrical part of the equation. If there's nothing to draw from, Ooh, that can be, that's painful. You know, it's just (laughs) like, it's like, I, cause I don't, you probably feel the same way. I don't want to sing songs that don't resonate with me. I don't want to sing songs that are just, um, have, have you look I, I look at it like you're writing a script, you know, it's, it's, and it's kind of the reverse of, of a film because with a, with a film, the music is the accompanies the visual right and the in the narrative that the, that the, the the writer uh, has for the for the actors but with songwriting it's it's kind of the reverse at least the way i write which is i have this this chord progression and uh, set you know basically music bed and i put the melody on top of that and i want it to be somewhat congruent with what the music is saying. So it's like the soundtrack is, is kind of inspiring the narrative to a, sure, to a degree. Sure. And that's, that's a, it's a, sometimes it's challenging, you know, that part.
0: No, absolutely. And you mentioned your new solo record, the Ides of March, which uh, is coming out in just about a month's time. Your second, you know, uh solo record, I guess now, now the title Ides of March. Now that, that reminds me of the middle of, of March, 2020, uh, when kind of everything got shut down, uh, was that a, a part of the inspiration for the title?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that I, th- I was on a walk with my wife, and that's when um, that's when that came that 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 idea came to be. You know, it's interesting because that phrase, you know, obviously there's the the Shakespeare element, yeah, but yeah. to me it's always implied a certain amount of, of 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 a warning and caution and and impossible impending doom and i so at that point when a lot of these songs are written it was so early in the process and we didn't know where it was going it just seemed pretty dis pretty bleak and yeah. pretty uh yeah. the possibilities were the potential concern to me let's just put it that way so i felt like that that was very very fitting um and, and, uh, so I held on to that, that concept and, uh, spent a lot of time molding that song and
0: trying to get it just right. Right, right. Um, well, my, my band has a song called the Ides of March too, actually. Nice. Um, so uh, it drew me in right away. Uh, so, okay. So, so at the time, you know, you were working on this stuff, was this a, is this a full on, you know, quarantine right written record or did you have some stuff uh beforehand or, or is there stuff from years ago on this thing I always you know kind of wonder that when when you talk about an artist like yourself that's you know been around like are you bringing stuff back from the 90s you know like sometimes that happens Sure yeah to answer your question
1: I'd say 80 90% of it was during the lockdown was written yeah. but there are two songs there's a song called uh, Love Rain Down and a song called Wanderlust Begins which were in the, someone, someone borrowing this phrase, they called it, uh, you, you pulled from the song orphanage the songs without, without a home. And yep. <laughs> it had been sitting there for, <laughs> it's, I don't know if that's a good, I don't know. I, I have to think about that, that phrase, uh, interesting. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, uh, yeah. And I knew that they were songs that I knew people had heard the demos of been liked and I thought, well, it'd be, it'd be nice to get those songs out to some degree. It's just a, where, where do they fit? Because they obviously did not fit in Alter Bridge world nor Slash world, so yeah, uh, this felt like an appropriate record in that respect. And and uh, and so yeah, those I think both those are written in 2009, so they're oldies. Well, cool. now when you're doing you know
0: a solo record, let's say, and all the the weight is on your shoulders, you know, it's not a Slash record or an Alter Bridge record where you know you are still the singer, you are still the focal point maybe of someone watching, you know, you're performing on stage, but creatively, some of those guys like, you know, it's Slash, it's Mark Tremonti. These are, these are big, big figures in in music. Now, when you do something like this for yourself, do you feel a lot more pressure or weight on your shoulders? uh, Or just maybe uh, just that you're in the driver's seat a little more? Yeah, I think that for me, it's the word
1: that always comes to mind is there's a certain amount of liberation, and it's not to say that I feel confined in those other realms, but you're, you know, you're. It's about compromise. So, you know, when you're collaborating with people, there is the the, the art of compromise, and that's good. I, I I love that. And when you're left to your own devices, it's it's. It, if you let it get to you, I guess if you let your ego come into the, to the fold and you start to think about, oh, it's, this is all on me. And, uh, you know, there are certain ramifications there if it doesn't, if it doesn't right, go well. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but I, I've really learned to try and just push that to the side. You know, I'm, as, as the years go on, I spend so much time trying to uh, rid myself of the human ego I'm not a big I'm not a yeah. big fan of the ego and and singers we that's part of the how we survive you get <laughs> on stage and people want to see that that guy and I I don't want to have to live with that guy I'm sorry that yeah. guy that just seems too complicated so with that <laughs> said I'm I feel like I'm getting a little better at at like well an ego is gonna say this has got to be great this has got to be this or else people aren't gonna like you or they're gonna say this and it's like you know what man Get over your ego. Ego, go sit in the closet. Let me let me write these songs. Let me have fun. Let it be pure and genuine. I don't I don't need you around. Go away.
0: <laughs> I Miles, I love that you brought up the the word that you use the word ego, that we can talk about the word ego, because that's literally something I have in my notes here that I wanted to discuss with you. Because I honestly think that of all the people I've had on, on this show, I've had like over two hundred and fifty, you know, guests. I think you have one of the most interesting careers because you know, part of being a lead singer is that confidence, is that ego, right? Is that you know, well, this is me. I, I have. I'm the most important person in this band, or my voice is is the voice of a generation, or whatever kind of shit people say, but. With you, man, like like I just go back to when you went on tour with Slash uh, in 2010 and you're singing, you know, some of your own songs, but you're also singing, you know, Slash songs that other people sang. You're singing uh, Velvet Revolver songs, a band that you were, you know, you kind of declined to be in. And of course, you're singing Guns N' Roses songs that everyone knows. And that is like the ultimate sacrifice of your own ego to put that aside, to do that project and not just do it in terms of okay, a one-off. Like this is every day, you know, for weeks and weeks on on a tour.
1: Yeah, it was a very, it was a learning experience, you know. It was, uh, and initially it was what I here's. I, I had the feeling there would be a little bit of this, but I don't think I realized how ex- how intense it could be at times. Is yeah, you can. S- sing other people's songs and, and your own interpretation of it but you do realize that some of these songs are iconic <laughs> and people are so used to hearing them sung by with, by someone else and so you have to prepare yourself for the reaction of of, of the fan and i the, the the analogy i always use is it was the equivalent of the mid 80s when coca-cola changed its formula for right, a while.
0: Right. And you right. drank
1: this new Coca-Cola and it was like, well, it's the same, but it's not. There's something different here. And so your brain is trying to, you know, figure that out. And that was, you know, that was before they went back to classic classic Coke. And so <laughs> I was essentially for a while there, I was the new Coke. I was yeah. <laughs> the, the Coca-Cola. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which which, you know, I can so I totally I get it now. I did, but I don't think I was aware of that initially. And, and so, yeah, man, I, it was, it was good for me though, because I I had to, I had to just once like we were talking about, put your ego aside. Yeah. They're going to people, they're going to people who enjoy this. And they're going to people, they're people who are like, I want my classic Coke back.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> right.
1: And, and that's just, and you just, and it was really good for me. That's, I think it's real. I think the whole thing, even, even playing with Alter Bridge, you know i think the because of their success beforehand and then all of a sudden it's the three guys but with a new guy so that they have such a distinct sound and now there's a a singer with a a, you know who's more of a tenor and it it, you look and then obviously people have their opinions and 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 but it was good it was great it was great in the sense that uh, i learned how to uh navigate those treacherous waters and uh, somehow somehow i i I feel like it made me evolve as a human being
0: well before Alter bridge you know Alter bridge was the the band that most people they knew who you were after that before that you were relatively unknown um other than the cameo and rock star (laughs) which i still to this day love i don't know why you didn't pursue acting because i think you're terrific in that scene by the way, well,
1: I, I appreciate that, but you know, honestly, I wasn't act. I was honest. I was so thrilled to be there. <laughs> I'm this dork from Spokane, Washington. Right, right. And they call me up and say, "Hey, do you want to come try and do this?" And I'm like, "Well, you, yeah, I want to be. I'd love to be in a movie, and I'd love to see how all this works." So I, the, yeah. the enthusiasm you see on on the on that on Thor's face is yeah. that's real enthusiasm.
0: No, but but I mean, but you know, and I, I don't I don't want to talk about that too much but before that you know relatively unknown artist you had you were in bands that that were making waves critically acclaimed signed to labels do you were doing the thing but the success just wasn't there right for throughout your whole 20s and for the for the most part artists don't really if it doesn't pan out in their early 20s most of the time let alone their late 20s it's kind of like all right you know, get a haircut and get a real job, right, right. and and you stuck with it. I, I know that you went through some bouts of depression during this uh, tinnitus. I don't know if that's still an issue you, you face, but um, you stuck with it, and I really find that kind of inspiring for so many musicians that say, "Oh, well, I'm fucking twenty six. I'm too old now." it's like no look at look at miles you know you're not too old keep it keep going you get better you get smarter you get more confident
1: that's a that's a good point I think that and I was definitely of that mindset without I in fact I remember before getting my my, my first real record deal like on a major. You know, I had this discussion with my stepfather that, well, when you turn 25, are you contemplating going back to school and getting a degree and entering into the workforce? And, and that was certainly a, that was always a thing. And I felt like it's, it's so funny the life has turned out the way it has. Because I thought even at 27, when I got my first deal with Mayfield Four, I was like, oh, you know, I actually had a, a great talk about that with um, a few, about a year and a half ago, we were touring with Dirty Honey and one somebody had mentioned one of the guys had mentioned because you know, I think they're in their late 20s and yeah and got their that same concern I'm like brother you are you've got plenty of time you're still young and that's the beauty of rock and roll is you know you can I feel like in that genre you're you have a longer shelf life and and so yeah i Way Somehow way led to way. And even though we were basically a, a, a Mayfield four in that first, those first two records were essentially an introduction as how the music industry works is when you get, which right. is when you get signed, you still have about a 3% chance of, of recouping. <laughs> 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 and you're going to be a cat of rock and roll casualty. And yeah, but I just didn't, it's like, I couldn't stop. It's I think, and you know, what's funny, Shane, is it? Yeah. I always even though, even in my early thirties, when you thought, okay, it's time to to hang it up, come on, let's just get on and do what you, you know, get, get your degree or do what you're going to do. But there was always this part of me that knew that was not an option. It just, I was not going, I was just not going to stop. And somehow it all worked out.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are, there is stuff like, I mean, even just if I look at your Wikipedia, I mean, you never know how true any of this stuff really is, but it says that you were thinking about quitting. You were thinking of hanging it up. Um, yeah. I mean is there truth to that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was I was especially once I got the tinnitus and that that really threw me for a loop because I I thought well am I just going to keep losing more hearing and am I going to is this sound that I hear every night when I go to sleep is it going to drive me crazy? That was a tough one. That was a tough one. And I, I went back to teaching guitar and uh, got married and and just, you know, slowed down considerably. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely, it was an important time. It was an important time. Because you know what it did? Is it it made me realize that for me, not just music, but the act of creating and songwriting and making records... It's oxygen for me. I I can't, I, I just, I can't, I can't be out of that. It's just got to be there. And, and so it was good to experience that, that lull and that, that dark, that dark phase.
0: How did you meet Slash and how did you meet all these people? You know, and there's the stuff, all the stuff about you uh, with, with uh, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones and Jason Bonham and all this, how were you, how were you in this scene? Because, you know, Mayfield four and, and all these bands, they weren't, you weren't like that popular. Really? Was it, right. how did you know these? Like, cause I, I see, oh, okay. You got asked to be in velvet revolver. Obviously that turned into this massive super group, but you were almost completely unknown at that point. Yeah. I'm still scratching
1: my head on, on,
0: on Oh line. yeah, That's a, that's a great. Oh yeah. Like
1: how, how in the hell I remember when slash called that first time in 2002 And I, and I thought I answered the the phone because it was an 818 area code. And I thought it was, uh, I thought it was my manager in LA. And when it was him, I was just like, why is this, you know, (laughs) I'm really, this is slash. Okay. And like, how did you hear about me? What? So I think some of it was that, that, that we made a record with Mayfield. There was a second record called second skin. And I I think a few people kind of discovered that album and, um, and, and it, kind of made the rounds in the industry, which right. was good. It had a right. credibility to it. And so that, that helped though. It didn't have commercial success and, and, and all of that. It definitely was like, I look at second skin is like the demo that got me <laughs> into the next, into the next, yes, the
0: major label demo. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for the, thanks
1: for paying for my demo epic. I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> Especially the budgets back then. I can't even imagine what oh, that yeah, album that cost it, to make. It,
1: it's crazy. That's probably the most expensive demo ever made, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's crazy. I don't know. And then the with 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 all of it, I mean, like, come on, like the, with Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones and Jason Bonham, you don't think I wasn't scratching my head at that point, standing in that room with those guys going, how, how did I get here? Yeah, it's been a crazy
0: ride. It really has. Well, they're a huge influence, right? Led Zeppelin, you talk about, some of your vocal stylings, you know, uh, who you were trying to emulate when you were a kid was Robert Plant. And here you are in a room when he's not there and you are being looked at to do what he did. <laughs> did you have a flashback to your, you know, tennis racket, uh, broom, you know, broom in your room, uh, pretending to, uh, you know, I love the way you squeeze my lemon or, you know, whatever, uh, song. Was there a weird flashback in your head? Just, just, just completely surreal.
1: Yeah, it was completely surreal because they, there was a. I always tell the story. Well, what got you to want to play rock and roll? And it was the the afternoon that I heard both Eruption by Van by Van Halen, and then yeah. two hours later, I heard a Whole Lot of Love, and that was kind of the beginning of of the journey. So to stand in the in the same room with these guys and to play some of the songs that were so important to my evolution as a, as a, as a as an artist, you know. Singing the first few lines of No Quarter, and hearing and, and looking up and seeing Jimmy, you know, nodding his head and having wow. a good time. Like it was just like, wh- i and I always bring this up. It it is, as I look back on it, and it's because it seems so hard to fathom that it all worked out this way. It makes me think of what if this is all some sort of AI generated? Like it's the Matrix. <laughs> Right. You're part of the matrix. I'm doing this interview. I think I'm doing this, this podcast. I'm, I'm not, I'm actually in some, literally in some pod somewhere and this stuff's being pumped into my head by some computer.
0: Dude, I, the whole, the, the simulation. Um, yeah. Theory. I think about it constantly and, and, and this isn't just in the last year with, with all the, how fucked up the planet, you know, has gotten. I thought about this years ago. You know, really? being like, oh, how, 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 like all this stuff's happening. Like this has got to be, you know, some kind of simulation, you know, not actually believing it, but there's a, some things will cross your mind. Like this is just too weird, you know? And then, then Donald Trump gets elected and you're like, nah, of no, this. like, there's no way this is real. You know, it's like, when are we going to all wake up and now we're in pandemic world and you know, it's, it's just like, what's next, man. And it made me think of your, uh, your music video that was uh you know you're sitting there reading the newspaper and it's like yeah. and it's like the aliens are coming right. i'm like i'm like that's next that's got to be the next thing
1: well there are already there's more footage that just came out recently that that oh, uh, the military is releasing with uh, these un- unidentified objects and hey man anything's look at this point anything's possible any
0: anything's possible it's just like bring it on yep <laughs> let's,
1: let's keep it exciting
0: <laughs> i know man you just you just smile and laugh through it all right. and that's like that's, you know, but man, I just, I'm just glad, like I, ju- I just turned 40 last month. I'm glad I'm not 20 anymore. I think it would just be too weird to be living in this world, this changing world when you don't have like some roots planted, you know?
1: It's, it's moving very quickly. And I, you know, it's, you're obviously a fan of, uh, you know, thinking about the, the computer generated uh, realm that we, what, what if we live in that, right? What if this is not yeah. real and entertaining those, those thoughts, but you know, there's the whole, you know, Kurzweil, he wrote this book uh, basically talking about how as processing power gets faster and faster and things are going to move exponentially, it's it's going to, technology is going to be moving so quickly. In the, and they're already saying that, like if you, I was watching something the other day and they're talking about how in the next 10 years, things are going to change so much on on every level. Uh, it's going to make the industrial revolution, you know, it's going to dwarf that. It's going to be crazy. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not going to happen, but let's just say it does. How do you navigate that as a young person? I mean, I don't know how I'm going to navigate it as this middle-aged dude, let alone coming into the world, trying to find my place in a world where everything's changing and it's, it's, it's... it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really
0: interesting. The thing that I've been interested in in lately is cryptocurrency and NFTs and blockchain and, and all this technology, which as a 40 year old person, I think, I I don't know if it's just because I was still learning long division in high school or well (laughs) middle school, whenever you learn a lot long division and I wasn't learning computer science or anything. So this stuff, I feel like I have to do a lot of reading to get it. And then there's, you know, my nephew is like 15 or or um you know just younger people i i hear they're like oh yeah so it's on the blockchain and it's like this 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 and like i'm like, how do you know this right. and it's it's just it's much more intuitive for young people to understand the the, te- the technology right. you know i guess we're just dinosaurs right um
1: <laughs> right I think I think you're right. I mean there's certainly are yeah. certainly more tech savvy and I yeah. don't know about you but I try to embrace it. You know, I I I remember telling myself as a kid I said I never wanted to be that guy once I crossed a certain point who was who didn't want to go along with, with what was happening. And I, I always was, I would always do my best, whether it was the kind of music that was, that I was listening to, uh, or, or whether it was technology in, in general to try and embrace it and try and learn from it and try to understand and try and have it be relevant to a point, you know, but I think things are moving so quickly. I just don't know if I'm going to, be able to keep
0: up. That's what's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, you know, with with uh, Miles Miles Kennedy and the conspirators and and slash and all this stuff, you had a lot of success, uh, mainstream radio success. You know, which I thought was kind of was pretty cool. I was hearing, you know, your songs. I live just outside Detroit. Uh, I actually live in Windsor. I think you guys played here. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. at the casino Caesar's here. Um, but a lot of success. Were you anticipating that to have that kind of radio play and on, on these songs and being able to do these, you know, big shows where people aren't just coming out to see, you know, Guns N' Roses songs or some of the other Slash stuff? People are coming out to hear your record with Slash.
1: Yeah, that was a. I I didn't. I had no idea how that that was all going to play out initially. And you, you know, you know this. It's like you put in the time and you you. Make multiple records and you build up the catalog. And what what I noticed on that last tour that we did was suddenly songs that we put out on Apocalyptic Love uh, or some of those older tracks that have kind of been in the the subconscious or the the, the musical conscious consciousness <laughs> of, of 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 fans and had time to kind of build up that whatever that is where you the first bar we go into the song the fans know it. Hands go up in the air, and you and you're getting the equal reaction to songs that were written thirty years ago, and you're like, "Wow, well, this is really wonderful to see now." And and that was really, I think, for all of us, you know, we'd play Anastasia, and places would go crazy, and, and I was just like, "Wow, this is really awesome." But i I've, I've learned a lot of, I've really learned that being in this industry, it is about. If you, it's you know what, i will take it, that line from A Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. All right, <laughs> and it's like, it's it's like you gotta put in the time, you gotta make records, you gotta tour, and you gotta just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and eventually they'll come. And and so after, and I didn't understand that back in the Mayfield four days. I I I always thought, well, you'll make a record, and hopefully you have one song that'll do all right on radio, and then you're done. I mean, I just because the I didn't understand how it worked. I didn't understand that you just got to get out there and beat the pavement and work hard and yeah. put in about 10 years and then you'll see the fruits of your labor.
0: Yeah, that's true. And and I think that that's kind of, you know, we could talk about how the industry's changed. I mean, we could talk a full hour about just that. But I feel like that's starting to be more obvious now because, you know, it isn't just the, okay, we release an album, you know, every two three years we go on tour and then rinse and repeat um based on you know what kind of success we have on that album you know now it's it's very common for artists to release single after single that don't even aren't even you know included with an album or they're releasing all these singles before the album even comes out and then maybe even more singles after the album come out that aren't on the rules are are gone now and i do think that it's kind of inspiring to see younger artists that are really just writing all the time releasing music all the time you know they're on social media all the time they're just working it and working it which you know hey that's that's cool because uh you know uh, i think a lot of the bands from you know the old days the the previous era it wasn't like that man you worked you went on tour you made a record and then it was like okay you sit Sit around, maybe get a drug addiction or something for a while, you know? Right.
1: No, that's true. Yeah, I, 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 it's it is inspiring to see how the younger generation under—they're very savvy that way. They understand yeah. that there's so much information coming at the consumer that you will be forgotten about in an in a New York minute if mm. you're if you're not staying out there and constantly. It's it's about content, and you know, I, I think what I've come to realize is. It used to be about the song, you know. It used to, I had an A and R guy tell me this once. This isn't the music industry; it's the songwriting industry, and and he's right to a point. But now we things have changed, and now it's it's the content industry. You've got to, yeah, you've got to have new material, but you also have to follow that up with constantly being out there on your socials and reminding people, hey, I'm I'm I need to cut through the noise here. I'm still here. Here's my here's a picture of me doing something, or here's me, you know. Playing ping pong or whatever it is to keep people right. engaged, right. and and right. that's th- that. I'll, I'll admit to you, that's something I feel like I'm I need to work on that, uh, and I think part of that's because I'm 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 somewhat of a private person. But we live in a world now where people expect to have that window into your world all the time, and uh, right, that's just a, it's
0: the it's the it's the it's such a paradigm shift, you know. Well, you've got a third of a million. Followers on Instagram, so I think you're doing something right, Miles. Wow! Official Miles Kennedy, go follow him. Um, yeah, that's that's big. That's, oh, that's, that's pretty good for an old dog, you know? <laughs> well, I,
3: I
1: appreciate that. I, you know, I, try, I was just talking with my manager the other, like two days ago, and I said, you know what? I've really been uh, neglecting keeping, keeping content coming at a steady, steady pace on, on, on the Insta, as the kids call it. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to, I'll tell you now, I'm going to do better. I'm, I promise. I promise. We're going to work
0: on that, get some more content absolutely so the new record is out in just a, about a month's time uh the eyes of march on napalm records what's the plan like supporting this thing uh, is there any plan can you do any live streams or, or is you know are you doing anything like like in that realm
1: no plans for live streams yet but we're trying to work out some way of touring to, uh, to some degree it'll be interesting uh yeah you know, it was, obviously it was a gamble to release a record in, in May, but uh, I, I, I did feel strong that given the content of a lot of these songs and what the record was inspired by, I, the shelf life would expire. If I waited yeah. a year from now when I thought the world would be back to normal... I feel like a lot of these songs might not resonate as much so it was it was a risk I was willing to willing to take because ultimately I want people hopefully because though there's there's a there's an element of reflection and obviously concern about where things could go uh, from the narrative of the lyrics there's also an optimism that things will eventually work out and I feel like that's needed right now so yeah you know hopefully I can tour to some degree sooner than later if not well you know We'll, we'll figure something out, but uh, uh, I'm just going to see where the, where the cards fall.
0: You bring up a really interesting point there too, though, about the idea of releasing music during the pandemic. There are a lot of artists that waited and they waited for different reasons, right? Some of them said, okay, well, let's say I made this record in 2019. It was supposed to come out in 2020, but hey, let's, let's hold off till this thing's over. They didn't know it was going to last over a year from when you could tour or whatever we think it might be a year and a half, um, maybe, or longer in some countries, uh, like Europe seems way behind, for example, uh, I'm in Canada. It's not good up here. We have record cases right now and our vaccine, vaccine levels are bad too. But, um, you know, I think that the, the important thing to remember is that just because people aren't going to shows doesn't mean they're not listening to music. Doesn't mean that they're they're not dead. You know, they're still out there consuming stuff, finding out about new artists. Their tastes are still changing and evolving all the time too. Just because they aren't seeing bands live doesn't mean that's changing. So I think putting out music is really, really important for every artist right now, regardless of whether you are, um, you know, able to tour or not.
1: Right. I, I it, Look, it, it all boils down to that Continuing to stay out there and and let people know that you that you exist. So otherwise, they're they're going to forget about you. Right? You know, there's just so much to so many. I mean call me crazy, but have you noticed that your attention span has gotten about this big and since, since these things started (laughs) making themselves known,
0: I mean, and and, and mine wasn't good to begin with miles. So, uh,
1: neither was mine, mine, but it's just like, you know, I'll be talking look a squirrel. I mean, it's just no no attention span whatsoever. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I think that you just got to keep, you got to stay out there and, and whatever, whatever that is, whether it's on your social media, doing something to engage uh, your, your fan base or putting out music or, uh, you know, just
0: be creative for sure, man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do have a couple questions. Um, this is the lead singer syndrome podcast, and I would be doing a huge disservice if I didn't ask you some questions about your voice. Um, just incredible. You're such a good singer. Was it something that you kind of always had, like when you were singing and I don't know, I, I think you grew up in a bit of a religious household, you know, was it the kind of thing you went to church and you sang and you were like, oh shit, I can kind of carry a, to- a tune a little bit here, um, you know, or was it something that you worked on and you, you practiced your, you know, your scales and all that and uh, follow-up question with your range, did you always have that, that high range or, or was it something that you kind of stretched over time?
1: Well, I I I knew I could sing. I didn't really want to sing because I just wanted to play guitar, and I didn't. And because of how I'm hardwired, it's kind of a wallflower. I didn't want to be in the center of the stage and you know be that guy. I just just wasn't in my DNA. But as a songwriter, I realized that I had to tap into that and and to see to see the vision through. You know, um, I think that. Uh, so yeah, I I knew I could sing to a point. Uh, I didn't really. Uh, spend a ton of time cultivating it early on. And yeah. then uh, once I was like, all right, I'm going to sing in front of a band. And and uh, I was really lucky that uh, I had a, a manager at the time, right as Mayfield 4 was getting ready to start touring. And, and he, he basically was like, look, you're going to be touring a lot. And you're going to have to b- b- learn how to u- use your voice to where you're not going to burn it out. Because right. the way you're singing, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna burn it out, and you're not gonna have your instrument anymore. So, I got to study a little bit with this guy named Ron Anderson down in Los Angeles, who taught. I mean, he's taught it's so many amazing singers over the years, and I learned basically an old opera technique, from what I understand. Oh, yeah, and that's what helped. That's what helped uh, extend the range. I always ha- knew I could sing high, but not in a controlled fashion, in a consistent fashion. And what I learned from him was how to. How to be more consistent and and not essentially not ruin my voice. He told me something early on that really stuck with me, and it's turned out to be true. He said, "With what I'm going to teach you right now, your you will be able to use your voice kind of indefinitely." Whereas a lot of artists, they'll learn techniques that they'll discover by the time they're in their mid forties, the quality of the instrument is starting to, to change. And, it, and, and, and oftentimes it it, w- it just won't hold up.
0: Wow. So wow.
1: he, pr- he promised me and he, he was right. It's still knock on wood. It's, it's still holding on.
0: There you go. That's no, it's, it's true. I I mean, you, do you hear about artists, you know, Hey, you got to tune down another semitone uh, live, you know, whether right. it's Ozzy or or Elton John or, or whoever, you know, guys losing range and, with how high you sing to begin with that that is a fear so that's really really great to hear uh, ron anderson an absolute legend by the way legend, for, for people man, that don't man. that people don't don't know um all right man well the only other question i have for you a uh, fan question is do you have any relationship with axel rose uh would he take your calls <laughs> i've never had the opportunity to meet him i would isn't i would that, love to meet axel isn't Axl. that weird that you have that just such a weird guy, you know. For everything I've heard about him, and and you know, pe- people I know that have toured, with, you know, as on the crew for for Guns and Roses and everything else, and that is that's crazy. Wow. Yeah,
1: just never never cross paths, never cross paths. Very, but I,
0: I'd love to meet him. I mean, I think he's he's amazing. Yeah, very very interesting. Uh, okay, Miles. Well, thank you. Uh, anything else to tell the people before uh, I let you go? Uh, eat your vegetables. <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm such an idiot no that's Uh, good i'm i'm vegan so i i completely i completely agree with you man
3: Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i've i've enjoyed this thank you for having me on i i I love talking about this stuff and you're great what you do so thank thank
0: you miles thank you so much the Ides of march out may what's the date 21st Uh, i think i should i'm not you know what I'm not yeah. that good, apparently, if I don't know the date, but it's... Uh,
1: I don't even know the exact date of when my own record comes out. No, it's May
0: 14th. May 14th. There it is. And do you have a favorite track? I'd love to play it for the people, uh, uh, if I could.
1: Uh, I'd probably say uh, the title track, The Ides of March. I'm real proud of that
0: one. We'll bust it out right now. The Ides of March. Here it is. A Lean Singer Syndrome. Miles, thanks so much, man. Jake, it's been a pleasure, man.
2: Some say you never know easy go, some say they knew it from the start, some say the end is nigh, that no one will get out alive, some say it's written in the stars, beware the eye of Mars.